0: Statistically, every post you will ever do is seen by more people who don't know you than who do know you. There's no way that if I get 40,000 views on a carousel, there's no way these people all know me. So what it does is it grounds us in earning the right every single time and not being entitled or feeling like people are just gonna show up for us.
1: You talked about this, and it's a new term that I've not heard before, which is a call to feel and the mic drop
0: moment. Can you give me an example of a mic drop moment or two? It's almost a bit of a Hollywood line. Maybe that's a good way to put it. It's like a one-liner. Usually the sentence won't have any caveats in it, Chris. So it'd be like 10 words or something. I'm going to try and find one in one of my posts okay. uh, right now. I think that might be a good idea. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's a kind of a Hollywood line that brings everything together and is profound. So for instance, three days ago, I, wrote, I did a post and I ended simply with six words in a singular line with line breaks around it. And it was, appearing successful doesn't mean you are. Now you can probably tell what the whole of the rest of the post was about that which is a good mic drop and a mic drop line is one that kind of summarizes it and brings it all together. And what you're, what you've got to map back from is the audience feeling. Yes, that's exact. Yeah. That's the way to say, oh yeah, I totally think, yeah, that's, that's the sentiment I'm after. So yeah, there, there was one I wrote appearing successful doesn't mean you are it's not world-class mic drop all the time, but things like that <laughs> tend to bring, <laughs> I do my best, you know, <laughs> but what it tends to, it tends to do is that like, makes people stop and think. Um, and I just I just think that's a really valuable way to do it rather than always saying, I mean, the worst would be something like, like, comment and share below, or, or even a question, what would you add? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And I, I'm constantly switching it. Um there's another one I did four days ago. Your skills and expertise are what set you apart and make you an asset. And then I drop down to the next line. So now it's time to own it. You see, I'm ending with that full stop. It's a statement like, like here's the end of the sermon kind of thing. And it's this big kind of blockbuster moment. And that, that, is, that mic drop really helps this call to feel. I need to credit um, Ash Rathod, a mutual friend of ours. He's the guy who first used the phrase. Uh, the, I, I heard the f- phrase from him first. But that call to feel is about making people feel yes that that's exactly it that's they're the words i was looking for because that's how i view it and that what that does is bring that audience just a step closer in that sense of um of of like they're relating to you they they feel like you get them that much more and it's a really powerful moment when you get it right so it's just an experiment thing. Just keep practicing with it but i think it's good to punctuate your your content with calls to action, but also with calls to feel and just see what works. And I, I do find sometimes the call to feel posts really perform well in terms of gathering a, a larger number of people around to really engage in that in that content because that helps them the following post, the next day, I have this kind of momentum behind me and maybe I can be a little bit more on the nose with even a more commercially led call to action at the end.
1: That was excellent. Thank you very much. So the call to feel your mic drop moment is this emphatic conclusion that might be charging or polarizing to people because now I feel like I got to write a response or you're right, I'm so inspired or no, I hate this. this is, and you're, you're provoking a response. Or you're like chumming the water with bait so the sharks come in, right? It's a quotable exactly. quote. It, it might be like some 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 like tweet-like moment where everybody's like, that's it, you summarize the whole thing up.
0: Exactly. It, yeah, a tweak like moment's a really good way of putting it. And um, I often use the word reframe, and I think it's it's noticeable that when you do a post that that kind of shares common sense like tactics or how to ideas, and it's like yeah, but everyone else says the same kind of thing. All you're doing when you do that is you're playing safe and you get this false positive of a bunch of likes and people going, yeah, good point, well done, but you are squarely putting yourself right in the centre of everyone else, just like everyone else. But when you reframe it and say, but have you looked at it this way? Or, but but here's the blind spot, or here's the thing, the revision or the evolution on that mainstream idea that you hadn't considered, people now see you as someone who thinks higher, and that massively uh, uh, correlates with a peak of profile views it's so wonderful to be able to s- like you can see posts doing well not just in the in the number of views and comments you see posts doing well because you get a spike of profile views because the natural inclination of the average human who doesn't know you is to see that post and go wow that was good who's this guy and i really want to add this crucial footnote, which is statistically, every post you will ever do is seen by more people who don't know you than who do know you. So you have a bunch of your first connections and some people who might be kind of slightly aware of you. But there's no way that if I get 40,000 views on a carousel, there's no way these people all know me. So it's just those, those first people that do know me are, are helping to propagate that post to many others. So when I remember that, it means two things. Firstly, it means that when I'm, when I'm writing a post, I have to be aware that people who don't me- know me are going to be potentially seeing me for the first time. And that's exhilarating, but it also carries this responsibility of making sure I'm not too familiar or, or writing in jokes for just the circle of 15 people who know me well, because statistically it's many more who won't know me who will see it. But also, it's really powerful to do this because if I think about it, I've got loads of people who don't know me, seeing me for the first time, and they might just scroll by because they don't think to themselves, oh my God, cool, Richard Moore just posted. They don't know who the hell I am. So what it does is it grounds us in earning the right every single time and not not being entitled or feeling like people are just going to show up for us. Although there is a tactic I can explain uh, if you want me to now. uh, That that can really help this, by the way. Um, So on YouTube, uh, we have the bell. I think you have a bell, don't you, Chris, where people can subscribe. But there's also the bell for notification when your video goes live or something, if I'm right. Yes. So they've borrowed that and brought this over to LinkedIn now. So on everyone's profile, if you you put yourself in creator mode, mode, you have a bell. And people can hit the bell, and if they're online, what happens is the moment you post, people will be sent this. Um, they'll be sent a notification saying Richard's just posted. So one tactic I've been doing for probably a year now, or getting on for a year, is saying at the end of posts a little PS: If you like this content, hit go to my profile here. And I have an arrow symbol and I tag myself. I'm removing all friction so I can literally just click on me from the post and go straight to my profile and hit the bell and you'll see my post, my content as, they're po- as it's posted. So what that does is it means the people who are like the super fans, they can now essentially subscribe to my content. So tomorrow morning when I post, or let's even take this morning when I post, I knew for a fact that when I posted, the same bunch of people would jump in straight away and go, oh, cool, Richard's posted. What is he up to today? So by popping that message in quite regularly, I'm constantly harvesting views and converting them into subscriptions, essentially, of my content. And those super fans show up early to support the post. And just like all the other platforms, if you get early comments, that gives that post velocity and really gives it uh, you know it helps it algorithmically get a lot more reach. So there's a little hat, and it's it's beautiful. It works so well. so we're, we're we're saying if you want more of this, here's where you go and you can see my posts as they come out. And there's a really nice benefit for the people who write a comment when when they're writing comment early is that their comments get seen by the most people who are viewing these uh, these pieces of content. So it's just really essential to get these calls to action right and just think to yourself, you're not just writing for people who know you, you're writing for people who don't know you. So what do you have to say? And in a world full of content where people scroll through 300 foot of content every day, what are you going to do that makes them think, well, that's different?
1: All right, I have another question for you. Thanks for explaining that part. A lot of strategies here that you're sharing There's another person, I'm spacing on his name right now. I should know it. But what he does is he uses commenting as a strategy to grow your following on LinkedIn. So there's a benefit to you turning that bell and engaging early and posting something thoughtful so that other people that Richard brings into his orbit see your content and then they click on your profile. And that's another way for you to trigger a response and then follow up with people. Now, you said this and I think you very uh, diplomatically navigated this where you said there's tangible uh, tangible where you're teaching people tangibly uh, you're helping others versus the sentimental types of content and you said I'll leave it like that don't let's not
0: beat around the bush what are you talking about so let's uh, yeah I don't, I don't have to be too careful basically fluff they have a term now fluffpreneurs basically people who who post fluff that's like oh woe is me I'm misty-eyed today because hey, you know, life's been hard and I failed eight times this year. And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. It's another post about how you failed. And the thing is it does work and it's good. And the personal brand people are like, hey man, you gotta talk about your fails as well. And sure. That makes us so so our vulnerability and so on. But what LinkedIn is probably saying here is like Let's not overdo the fluff. Sure, but like but what's the lesson? Come on, and I think it's it's a response to um, the everyone knows what I'm talking about. this pure, unbridled fluff for the sake of it. Um, you know, just because you're crying doesn't mean you should take a selfie and post it kind of thing. And I think that's good because it, it means we're diminishing the reach of posts that, if we're real with ourselves, aren't as constructive is certainly in the context of a uh, B2 b platform like this. Uh, as ones that using their words are tangibly helping others.
1: I see. That makes a lot of sense. So no pity party here. If you're going to tell a story and be vulnerable, make sure there's a point to your story because yes, you'll stir up the emotions. You're, You're angry about something. You're sad about something and people will engage because things that elicit an emotional response will get engagement. But I think LinkedIn wants to be different. They want to be the platform to help you achieve your goals and it's about transformation. This is just... Content rule 101. You want to help people achieve what they want in life. There's something that's getting in their way. If you could do something to tangibly help them, you've built a relationship with people. You've positioned yourself as an expert or someone to follow or talk to or potentially hire or given an opportunity to. And you talked about, you want to share your insights, not just, and you could do inspiration, but you want to be able to teach people something so that you improve their lives. And if you can do that, you're doing something great for yourself.
0: Yeah. And I must add, LinkedIn has recently come out with research on this. Okay. And what it said is that first connections, so these are the people who are directly connected with me. That is the smallest group of people, although the one, they're the ones who think most fondly of me. First connections do tend to like the personal stories and the anecdotes. If you look at Instagram, you can see like the first connections love the stories. They religiously follow them because it's the behind the scenes part and they know you and they're keen on what you have to say and do. The average person who doesn't know you is like, I don't care what you're having for breakfast, but as you're someone who really loves you is like, yeah, cool. You're there. And you're having that food. And that matters to me to know that. So the surveys show, like the research they've done has said, you know, first connections do love the personal stories and the, you know, the little quips and the jokes, but that vast majority of people who are actually seeing you statistically, the second connections, the third connections, and so on, they respond more to knowledge and advice and, you know, things that are insights and so on. And we've got to remember, you know, it's always good to warm an audience, but it's important as well every day to be saying, how do we add new people in here? Because for everyone who falls in love with us, they they also might start, like waning in interest over time no one is in love with your content forever or that's very rare if that is the case so we're always going to be thinking who are we bringing in what what do we need to do to make someone new say today here's someone i should check out more i've never come across chris before uh i maybe maybe i'll hit the bell and check out his content again tomorrow you see so that's just a really important consideration it's really interesting seeing that that research come out and i think it's probably Validating what we probably knew anyway. Right.
1: I want to get your take on this, Richard. I see myself as a teacher, as an, as an educator. So for years now, all I focus on is I want to teach you something. I want to give you a tool, a resource, a reframe, something like that. And I built the following. And then people are saying, Chris, is there is there a human behind that? Because it just seems like all you want to do is teach, but we don't know who you are as a person, and we want to be let in into this world. These are not first connections. These are second or third connections. How, how, what's your take on that?
0: It's an interesting one. So I, I, I've been, uh, I've produced, co- produced content now since 2014, really. Facebook, then Instagram, and here on, on LinkedIn. And I've never once, for instance, shown a picture of my daughters. I've never once uh, uh, shown a picture of me and my wife or anything like that. And that was just a choice I made. And that's that. And it's not stopped huge amount of success in my opinion that was defined by me as what success would look like i'm feeling really good about what's happened so there's plenty of things you don't have to do and and i must say because you've asked my take on it this is this is the truth is that there is a narrative pushed by a lot of content creators that the holy grail the end point the place you should end up at is a level of confidence in being Fully vulnerable when stuff goes wrong or stuff goes right in your life, not just talking about work. And I don't subscribe to it because I don't think your audience necessarily would come to you for that. In the little bubble I habit on LinkedIn, I'm seen as the uh, this guy for conversion from content. And if they want, you know, I'm not that funny a guy, right? So they go elsewhere, maybe for humor, or they go elsewhere for more anecdotes and so on about, you know, life and so on. But I hear what you're saying. It's like, well, why not flavor it a bit more with more about Richard Moore? And I just think you've got to be careful because it's so seductive when you post things about your personal life. Because when you do that, you tend to get a huge amount of engagement. Because people, humans, are sentimental, nostalgic, like emotional creatures. And you can get a huge amount of, Uh, you know, engagement and distribution and reach. And that feels good to the ego. So we do it again and again. And then we're diluting further and further, in my opinion, the reason why arguably we're here. And I'm not here necessarily for popularity. I'm not here for people to think highly of me as a great human being. That's not my main thrust. I'm here because I'm interested in growing my business and, and, I see that as a valuable element, but it cannot start defining my content because for those who it, who use it, in my opinion, too much, and I'm talking like it's always in their posts. you end up losing sight of what would otherwise be a lot of clarity on what they actually do. There are plenty of LinkedIn influencers far bigger than me. Who have incredible amount of distribution and all their posts and huge amount of engagement, and I couldn't tell you what they do. So I think I'm not, I think was a really interesting a really interesting question because you there's there's a balance that's required, and you have to not be seduced by doing it too much just because you get a bunch of views and likes and engagement. You've got to ask yourself, is this mapping? To conversion or something about pipeline or or something that I 'm here for in the first place, otherwise, what are we doing here? like we're just trying to get likes, you know so it can flavor it, and of course, I mention the fact I have a wife and kids and things every so often, but typically, I don't think it matters so much. I rarely go hyper viral, and plenty of people far smaller than me in following will regularly outperform me, like really all the time, and outperform me in terms of, you know, how many people are engaging with the post. But the key part is I'm getting the right people, seeing me in the right light, and I'm showing them, I'm shining a light on me being an expert at this thing. And I think I'm, I think you, I think. If I was to give a percentage on it, Chris, it's like maybe there's five, ten percent of that side. You know that that behind the scenes, who really is Richard kind of thing. But I'm not leaning into it so much, um, and I feel like that's a balance that seems to work. What's your feel? Just just because uh, I'm interested in how you've taken taken the what you've taken as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's a whole spectrum of how you can approach social media, and I think at the end of the day whatever strategy that you want to apply for your life and your business should be aligned around with your long-term goals. So we have short-term goals and we have long-term goals. And on the far left spectrum is all these emotional posts that talk about your feelings, everything that happens in your life, that's on one side. It sounds like Richard is pretty far on the right side, which is I'm here for a purpose, which is to establish my authority, to help transform people's lives and then grow my business. And that's why I'm here. I'm not doing this for sport. It's not about a popularity contest. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And this gets me to think about this question. I don't want to go too far into this. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to come back and debate this about you're probably not then a big fan of the personal brand, and you may not believe in the attention economy, which I believe in very much
0: so. you have a quick take on that? I, I do. And and, and as I, as you were talking, I was thinking, I was like, what really is at the heart of this? And the fact is, there is no wrong or right. There's what works for you. right? And my extreme, that's because it is, my extreme on this, which is not being so open about the personal life, actually reflects the self i'm quite a shy guy and it's not natural for me to open up like this and i think if you were to be patient enough to look through all my posts that i've ever done you would see a general movement towards the center Uh, like you know nowadays i'm i'm more open than i used to be used to be like really hardcore on just this is how you convert and whereas now is a lot there's a softer side there's a bit more soul there there's a bit more about me but it's who i am i think i'm um you know i'm I'm, i've always been a shy guy and what's interesting is you know i'm in my i'm in my early 40s now but maybe in 10 years from now i may have developed further that perhaps i share more so what I think is that the message to the audience is is like you've got to do what works for you, but be testing and, and recognize that ebb and flow may be necessary to get the balance right because your what your definition of success is may be conversion and you may not be getting that if you're all, all in on just um, you know the popularity context. And I would certainly point out that this idea of personal brand and developing that in in the way we've just described is something I have gently warmed towards more in the last few years than I ever have before. And I'm sure I will go more in that way. So I suppose I'm still in that process of evolution, Chris, from who I was.
1: Oh, beautiful. So I'll make a deal with you. I'll teach you about personal branding. You teach me how to sell on social media, and I think we'll have a beautiful product at
0: the end. There we go. We got, we got a deal on the live call, everyone. Let's do it. uh, Yeah, that sounds good to me.
2: Time for a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
1: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: Helping 1 billion creative people do what they love for a living isn't just our passion, it's something we live by. To say thank you and because we couldn't do it without you. We want to give you the chance to craft your own curriculum so you can save time, money, and focus on what really matters. Your business and your creative pursuits. So for the Black Friday season of savings, we are offering you the chance to save 25% on all courses, resources, toolkits, and merch all November long. Visit the future.com forward slash season of savings for details.
1: Welcome back to our conversation. I want to throw the first question to you, and, and just for sake of efficiency here. Uh, is it push has is asked this question? Is there such a thing as posting too much so that we don't give our posts a time to breathe and attract our audience? Do we get fatigued when we post too much in terms of like fatiguing our audience?
0: Yeah, really good question. Um, that's changed in about the last year, actually. So a really great question. About a year or so ago, if you posted um, and then posted again later that day, it would actually kind of kill the original post, that, that previous post. And the you know imagine the spotlight of, of distribution would shine on the current post. That's changed now. So multiple posts can coexist across, say, a 24-hour period. But what you'll find is that if you have one post across twenty four hours, that might get say ten thousand views, and if you have three posts across the twenty four hours, they might get say five thousand views. So the individual post wouldn't get as much distribution, but combined, look, I got fifteen thousand. I always say, and this is just like the sales director in me, like if you're go- if you've got the time to go put out multiple bits of content. What about if you put that time into something else, such as making one piece of content better or deploying that time instead of making more posts, deploying that time into engaging with the individuals? Because are you here for just a following or are you here to get into opportunities and convert? So it's a really good one. I I would always say you can't post too much, Because the people who absolutely love you, they want to binge on you nonstop. They just can't get enough of it. But I strongly suggest it's more about being able to keep it up. Like if you can post each day, I post seven days a week. That's worth more than, hey, I did three today, but I'm exhausted. I won't do any tomorrow. Um, Once a day is more than ample to get as long as your content's good enough. And usually the question is, is shouldn't be should I post more? It's what could I do to make this content even more lively?
1: Excellent. Okay, why don't you pick a question that was sent to you?
0: Yeah, so uh, I've been looking through here. Um, So, uh, uh, so apart from the format of posts, could you let me let us know about the type of content that performs well, such as anecdotal, or tips, or reviews, etc. What what is a really good question. This is from Ashraf, and he's and I really like that question because what people attempted to do often is hide behind other people's content, and the content that performs the worst is that which is shared from other people. So if anyone out here is doing it, stop. If I hit share of someone else's post, if I love what Christo has posted today, and I hit share, his post gets a kick and I get nothing. So LinkedIn won't distribute a shared piece of content. But in terms of the type of content that I would write, it's the stuff that makes people see themselves in a different way or learn something new that they didn't realize about themselves. So when it's like, did you know that if you said this, this way, rather than that way, it has that effect on people in terms of your sales calls or something like that or did you know that if you if you do x y and z you have this outcome and when people are saying to themselves wow i didn't even know it was right under my nose if i just took that small action and for me it's things like if you use this line or this turn or this turn of phrase it actually has people stepping forward that's the stuff it's and what it is ashraf it's the practical nuggets that they are powerful bits of information that they can deploy straight away. And they're like, wow, I I can try that. And I can, I can get a result straight away. And i just tend to find that they, they work the best. But as I mentioned earlier, the reframe posts are crucial. It's the ones that make people think I, I'd never looked at it that way before or, or even, even better way of describing their feeling is no wonder I had never got the results I wanted because I hadn't tried that thing that this person's just been saying. So that, those kind of vibes are are what works best as opposed to just a how-to or three tips for good community, you know, because that feels a little bit too um, like everyone else's.
1: Richard, I have to ask you this question since you're in dialogue with LinkedIn folks. Is I've noticed something that's happened in the last couple of months where when you comment on someone else's post, They make a suggestion. Would you like to share this? And the way they treat shared posts today is a little bit different than they used to. So if LinkedIn doesn't want us to share posts by rewarding us, why is that a feature and why is that a suggestion? Or maybe I'm misreading what's going on here.
0: Good point. And so what's interesting, and um, this came out of a, a call I had recently with LinkedIn. He said, you've got to remember, you're speaking, Richard, on behalf of a lot of content creators. And he said the vast majority of people aren't here with that agenda in mind. And so actually there's a lot of people wanting other things. And so what's really interesting is that it's like, share a post because it's a wholesome thing to do and it stimulates a conversation. And I think there's probably now, it, they'll probably dial up the value of posting someone else's piece of content. Um, and you know, you'll get a trickle of engagement, but the fact is that if you're a content creator, trying to move the needle and get people to look at what you're doing why are you a conduit to other people's knowledge and ideas when you would probably do better to share your own you know this is your show they're following you for a reason so i think there is a slight isn't there is an, uh, there's an agenda that linkedin has there of like you know this is good to keep that sense of community for for the masses who don't necessarily have the same agenda as content creators. I don't know if I've articulated that right.
1: Perfect. Thanks for saying that. And I just do want to say anybody that's a fan or a friend or part of our community, I personally love that you share our content. Cause it's oh, kind absolutely. of it's kind of how I gauge whether or not this content is hitting with people. So if it has hundreds of people resharing it, I think to myself, I think they want more content like this. And that's what informs me as to what to write and create.
0: So okay. Absolutely. And, and and what's exciting is that LinkedIn is just rolling out now better analytics on this stuff. So in your profile, especially in creator mode, at the top of it now you can hit analytics, and you can really get deeper dives on demographics and so on. And you must pay attention to that. You know, if you get twenty four reposts, it's a big signal that you res- really resonated. So, so yeah, totally agree with that. And some people love to share, and, and they have a they're not trying to convert. They just they just love you know contributing. And that's all good.
1: Okay, great. So I'm going to bounce over to Chris. Chris asked this question about how helpful is it to boost content? Are, are we are we doing this? Because I don't know anybody that does it. Uh, maybe I, I need to do it. I need to consider it. What do you think?
0: I've thought about it so much. Mm. And I, I remember so so last time we did one of these calls was a year ago, but I think it was two years ago on on Clubhouse that we talked about this. And, and um, you said, look, on Instagram, if I boost a post, I'm going to get more people like that seeing that piece of content, and it's a really nice top of funnel idea. What's interesting is if you boost a post, it, it you know it can go out to more people, but then the problem is you have this word promoted, and I just feel it's a subtlety that we can't overlook. That I don't know about you, if I have a new in my news feed or in my timeline or whatever, if I see pieces of content with sponsored or po- or or um, you know promoted, there's part of my conditioned brain that's like, oh, advert probably, or something like that. Some form of gamification. I'm going to disregard it a bit. And I, I can only speak from one man's opinion, but that, that's how I view it. And I think that that might be the general sentiment because, you know, that's how people typically view ads. But here's the fact: is that the algorithm is so organic algorithm is so um uh, generous anyway i just don't think it's necessary um i think i think it might be worth playing with and linkedin are desperate for you to advertise and, and boost posts and you know they're throwing they throw i typically throw you like 25 dollars of free credit if you want to give it a go but um from what i understand from those who've tried it, it's just kind of pointless uh compared to just doing great content and spending time with the community so I think save your money is my advice on that one.
1: Okay. So I've never boosted a post personally, except for on YouTube. And I have done it. I have my team do it. And in fact, when I boosted that by targeting certain audiences, it's shown on the sidebar. So you already kind of know it's promoted. And it actually mm-hmm. helped one of our videos go viral, which then made our whole channel blow up. So it was money well spent. But I've not done that it is, on LinkedIn.
0: That's such a good case study then. And and the thing is, it's... People mustn't take what I'm saying as meaning it's a terrible idea. And Chris has just shown what's so important in the nuance, which is if you get it right, something like that can help you blow up. So I just think you're, anyone listening, your opinion must always be based on testing yourself, not just what I have to say. So we're here, as Chris and I are here as guides. It's so important to have a, have a test and play yourself as well.
1: Okay. Ibrahim, what's your question?
0: Yeah, thanks Chris. Richard, thank you so much for the
2: insights in terms of like switching up the types of posts. The question simply is, how do you do you plan the subjects of your posts in advance or are they more spur of the moment when you wake up in the day's like oh, I should post it on this or is there a set agenda that you kind of
0: unroll out throughout the week? Uh, thanks Ibrahim. Um I'll go first again, Chris if, yes, you, if you don't mind so m- my my approach is really simple. I have in mind typically a kind of a general theme I'm gonna be focused on. And um, I'm not a massive planner, it's just not my thing. So I'm like, I, I can be creative in the moment, but the answer is actually neither of those options. Because what happens is after several months of writing content, you now have a reservoir of past posts that can perform well, right? So four or five posts out of every seven each week, are a form of repost. So the other day, this is how it looked. I went on went on to LinkedIn, went to posts, scrolled back five months, found a carousel that was kicking it back then because all posts are completely dead after a few days. Copy it, like literally copy the text, paste it and drop in, like download and then upload again the carousel, hit post, three minutes, done. And then that post absolutely crushed it again. And and you know what we've got to recognize is if we've got talent, if we've got creativity, then there's a lot of value in ensuring in planning, but also in reaching back in time and pulling out of the content graveyard this wonderful thing that maybe converted or really stimulated conversation and putting that out again. And you don't have any penalty for doing that. So I just, I don't want that kind of, burnout from having to be creative every day and i think this is a really nice hack that works well
1: very interesting approach there richard i i have to say i've never actually reposted anything in my timeline before on purpose i think we have certain okay. ideas and we might wind up repeating ourselves but i don't do that but i'm not doing this as as uh, targeted and as strategic as richard is you can clearly see the differences of our two approaches but we're actually quite similar in many different ways so I usually have a, a a massive amount of ideas so I'm keeping a, a notebook or my phone handy all the time. And when I'm engaging with my audience and they're they're commenting and I'm commenting right back at them, oftentimes one post will lead to 10 new post ideas. And one of the cool things is when you give a response to someone and you like what you wrote, that's the beginning of the next post. So I'll just literally quite copy that and, and repost and, and what I'll do then is I'll write more to it because I like the way it was phrased. That might be my mic drop moment where I end on that phrase, but I don't lead with it. I don't plan anything in advance. However, I do have a, a like a, a large bucket of different ideas and depending on what it is I want to talk about, it might be connected to a, a tour or workshop I want to promote. I'll organize it just kind of in my mind that these three posts should be the next things that I write about. Every once in a while, I'm so inspired by something that I stop doing the other stuff and I'll just write that post that day. The way my creative brain works is when it's hot, when I'm emotional, when I'm fired up, I want to write then and there because if I put it on the back burner, it's going to get really cold and I won't be able to write it again.
0: I just want to tag on there because, uh, and appreciate time is an issue, but it's such a good point Chris has made here that um, if you're fired up and in the moment, don't like throw water on that. Write the post, get it ready, and like, and there's nothing wrong with like interrupting typically your flow and sticking that in. And I must add that typically a post you've written can be a really good brief for another type of post. So my team, their job is to see a text post and use that as the brief for a carousel. And that carousel is a brief for the animated GIF or something like that. So often you get a triplet of content, which is actually very much the same thing, but expressed in different ways because some people dig a carousel and others, they prefer text only. I just want to tag that on, but that kind of hacks to minimize this often pain for some people of like feeling you have to grind out content.
1: Wonderful! Thanks for that question. That was a that sparked a lot of conversation between Richard and I. Ibrahim, I'm going to move you over back to listening mode. Here, we're going to go over to Luis or Lewis. Go ahead and ask your question.
2: Chris and uh, Richard, thanks so much for um, you guys are dropping gold nuggets. So the question is, what uh, what advice do you have for someone who has limited time and wants to maximize their content creation process?
0: Yeah. I, I would really go with the thing I just I just said for Ibrahim there. So maximizing time is about saying like, and th- the term is how do I mine the seam? And mining the seam is like, how do I get this one nugget or idea and get the most from it? So here's a good idea. You can have this, there's a technique called hub and spoke. Hub and spoke is where you look at a month and you go, right, I've got four weeks. Each week I need one theme. So it might be personal brand one week, Second week's conversion. Third week is, you know, communicating uh, on the phone. And then the fourth week might be whatever else. So I have four themes for the week. Then what I do so, so for each week. So then I have the, the spokes for each of those topics. The spokes represent the post I do each day. And I might have an observation as one spoke. I will have um, a contradiction kind of post. So like, you know, everyone thinks this, I think this as another type of post. I will have a old model versus the new model kind of post. I will have um, a story as a post and maybe something else like a poll or something like that. So now my five types of post, I can do each day of that week against that one topic. It's a really good way to be able to sit down and go, right, it's Tuesday. That means I'm doing a observation post. And what's my topic this week? It's personal brands. You can already feel, well, that's almost starting to write itself. I'm going to do a personal brand post. What's an observation I've seen recently? And it is a beautiful kickstart for if you don't have time and you're like, oh, I'm going to have this writer's block if I have to be creative. So I love that one. But I must add, like I said earlier, like seriously reposting or borrowing from previous ideas and changing, you know, sometimes so add an image when it was text only before, something like that. So does that help, Louis? Oh yeah, it helps a lot. Thanks a lot. A lot of people want
1: to create content to attract clients, but they don't want to put in the effort. They're not prioritizing this. What is a company? What is a business without customers? It's a bankrupt company, basically. So if you don't prioritize these actions, well, you'll get what you put into it. So think about that, Louis or Luis. Okay, we're gonna move over to Nick. Nick, what's your question?
0: So, uh, yeah. Hi, guys. Um, I got a lot of love for uh, for Rich. Rich gave me some sales training way back in the, uh, the day. Um, so, my question is uh, around newsletters. How do you feel about the SEO benefit of newsletters, articles in your content matrix?
2: Um, I only ask because I noticed you've you've cut back on yours recently, Rich, um, and you mentioned it was quite low down in your content matrix. It uh, doesn't get much engagement. I don't do
0: it personally for the platform engagement. I do it for the Google juice. So, I just mm-hmm. wanted to get your, your take on it. It's this, it's this thing of, you know, if it matters to you and you're going to really lean into it, then it could probably be, you know, better for you. I don't want to say for a second newsletters are a crap idea. Newsletters are an amazing way to capitalize on a big audience you might have and you might get a load of subscribers. And your ability to do well through newsletters is down to the usual st- stuff. Can you stimulate the open? Can you stimulate the read? And can you stimulate the call to action or the action afterwards? Um, I just don't care as much about the SEO, and here's why. My approach is warm inbound from people falling in love with my notions through my content, so they warm themselves, so they're kind of emotionally sold going into the call. The issue I take with SEO, and sorry, those who love it, and it does work and it's all useful in some ways, the issue I take with SEO is, when someone finds me top of Google, they might see an article, sure, and then they might, of course, go to the website. But that's not necessarily the journey I actually want them to take. I tend to prefer them to warm themselves through the content and and then come to me uh, with that that kind of in that state. I just find that the SEO results I've had are people like, hey, okay, I'm looking for somebody who might be able to help with sales. I'm looking, I'm shopping around. Uh, why should I buy from you? And that tends to be in the main response I've got from it. But my, my model is much more uh, warming down from content. So that's why I've diminished that in my, in my content matrix, uh, Nick. But, but that's my approach. That doesn't mean it doesn't work or is wrong. It's just not right for me.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of the things that um we strategize with with clients because when you do this with
0: teams of people you can
2: you can manipulate SEO quite easily with it but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah
0: that makes sense.
1: All right, thank you very much Nick. Go ahead Charlotte.
0: Thanks. Hey Richard. Hi. Um spoken to Richard a few times as well. Love him. Um what do you do when so you you've built up quite an audience for the past 6 months and your content resonates with one type of audience but you think that what you're actually going to sell is going to be your buyers are going to be different so how do you switch from sort of the tips or the problem solving to more authority building content yeah i think i think a lot of people feel that they have to almost announce it or or do something and and i don't think there needs to be a moment you know i think just change course, just start doing the different content. And I think that's interesting is when you do that, those that some that show up for you will either be like, ah, oh, that's not what I'm after anymore. And they, they, he keeps talking about this and they, they get turned off. Good. Yeah. You've segmented away and disqualified them. And meanwhile, other people are like, now this is the kind of flavor I'm into. And um, they lean into more, you see. So I think just like, it's not, it doesn't have to be like steering an oil tanker. I think just start doing the thing that that you're like, do you know what, I need to be going in this direction. Just do it. And then, you know, but recognize that it doesn't happen overnight and and you have to kind of take that time and and, and you're grooming or conditioning that audience to view in a different way or or start feeling that your content's gonna be type X rather than type Y, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect. Mm Thank, good you. Stuff. Thank you. Uh, Thank right. you. Chris, would you add anything there? Actually, I'm I'm interested in what I'm personally interested in what you might think
1: on that. I don't I don't really think so much about like the kind of audience I'm trying to attract. I just write what I feel is important and I I can change it like the wind. And I think your your advice is spot on. I think sometimes we think our customers, our clients, our community obsess over what it is that we do and they really don't care. They have their own life to deal with. Mm. Okay. Let's let's move this over to Aya. Is it Aya?
3: It is Aya. You said it perfectly. Thank you, Chris. Hi, Richard. And Hello. my question was um well, the points that really salient with me was talking about balancing, talking about attracting new people as well as appeasing your super fans. So I was just hoping like maybe you could talk a little bit more about that, like getting that balance, because I think it's such a it's such a good thing because there's people that do support me all the time. And they do know a little bit more of my personal story. And I I love that nuance, like your first connections. They want to hear about that. And I think you're right. People who like you want to get as much from you as possible. Mm. But how do you also take into account people who don't know you? And do you have a a particular way that you balance it or you balance it? Chris, I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, I think what a really valuable element here which we've not covered that much is comments and what you can do is you know when when your when your content is written in a way that that's like kind of is trying to stimulate everyone is is giving good good technique and good ideas and so on and your first connections show up and cheerlead you you know you can you can like riff with them in in the comments in in the replies there and i and i find myself you know when I'm in that, when I have a set time and I time block a couple of times each day to show up and respond to comments, those that are my tighter friends, maybe I'm on WhatsApp, or maybe they're just hung around a bit, or, you know, they're familiar faces. Maybe the, you know, the comments are a bit more playful with them because we've got that vibe. And what I'm doing is actually validating emotionally for them that it was worth showing up again today to hang out here. And I think, so it's actually the comments that really helps there. And and so that allows me to keep them quite happy and allows me to stay quite in lane. And you probably sense this from this session that I'm very in lane with um, uh, the content I write. And I won't go too off piste and talk about personal stories and stuff nearly as much as here's another great thing you can try that's going to help you make more money. Um, because that is my, my kind of mouthpiece to those who don't me- know me as much. But there's a nice little combination of the two, just to draw us together, which is those people who see you for the first time, those second or third connections, it's really valuable to deploy a little bit of time each day to go welcome them in as well. Because there's a beautiful trick with LinkedIn, which is if someone, I've mentioned this at the top of this session, but if someone jumps in and likes your post or you know writes a comment who you don't know, so send them a, a message and say like, I just want to say thanks so much for engaging the content there. Really appreciate it. Hope you'll show up for more and maybe even write something similar as a reply. And LinkedIn, the machine itself, takes note of that. So if we back and forth in the DMs, guess whose content you're going to see tomorrow? So LinkedIn's like, oh, well, maybe you want to see more of Richard then. So there's practical value in doing some dm work with the new people at that very top of funnel and well and and because what will happen is linkedin will serve them again with your content and i love that because it it's it accelerates the warming process really well hope that helps
3: mm, that was brilliant i didn't even know about that i, I kind of came in maybe 10 minutes late I didn't know about that at all. So that was brilliant. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, couple of comments back and forth, but a couple of DMs back and forward with new people and, and LinkedIn will say, well, if you're engaging, well then why wouldn't they, you know, algorithmically we'll serve that person your content again the next day. So, so it's just really valuable. And um, uh, it's a nice way of getting, of warming brand new people every day, which is a, a great way of growing, not just the following, but an engaged following.
1: Yes. Okay. So uh, this is a a great observation that you're sharing with everyone, Richard, but it's also something from an end user. If you see something that you like, if you click on it, you touch it, you give it a heart or something, you'll start to see more content from that person and more content like that content. So in a way, you're training the algorithm to give you more of what you want and less of what you don't want. So it's kind of important on both sides of this. Okay, everybody, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and the weekend. I'm Chris Doe. That was Richard Moore. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
2: Thanks for joining us.
1: If you haven't already,
2: subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Stuart Schuster. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode, and thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by reviewing and rating our show on Apple Podcasts. It will help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me?